This is the Exalta Race Center update for the week of March 27th. In Saturday's Service King 300 NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Auto Club Speedway, it was rookie William Byron leading Junior Motorsports with a fifth-place finish in his number nine Exalta Duracoat Chevrolet. He was the highest-finishing Xfinity Series regular, and he remains second in the point standings behind Elliott Sadler. Sadler finished 7th, Justin Algar 9th, and Michael Annette 13th for Junior Motorsports. Kyle Larson won the race. It was the first of two victories for Larson as he also took the checkered flag in the cup race on Sunday. Dale Jr. and the number 88 Exalta team finished 16th. In the Cars Late Model Tour, 17-year-old Anthony Alfredo led Junior Motorsports in the twin features at Dominion Raceway with a pair of fifth-place finishes. Josh Berry finished 11th in the first race. After spinning out racing for the win with Myatt Snyder, he finished 17th in second race with overheating issues. The Exalta Customer Experience Center officially opens in May during the All-Star Race Weekend. The CEC is the first of its kind. It will be a training facility for Exalta's customers right on the campus at Hendrick Motorsports. It will be used to educate body shop technicians with Exalta's new products, technology, and innovation. For more CEC progress and updates on all Exalta race teams, follow at Exalta Racing on all social media platforms. This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. This is Kerry Earnhardt, and you're listening to Earnhardt Outdoors, where the pavement ends and the dirt road begins. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Earnhardt Outdoors. I'm your host, Kerry Earnhardt, coming to you from the Azalta Studio. And if you didn't already know, we have a change in our podcast this year. Joining me now all this season will be my brother-in-law, L.W. Miller. Welcome to the show, L.W. Thanks, Kerry. Real excited to be here for the Earnhardt Outdoors in this awesome Exalta studio. Uh, look forward to talking about some outdoor antics with you. Yeah, we have quite a few stories through our adventures in life the last few years. But today I want to talk about something that you do a lot of and just got home from doing um, with your son, Wyatt, and a good friend of yours, um, Seth, I think was with you. And it's shed hunting. Yeah, it's uh, this time of year, it's honestly one of the most exciting times of the year for me. I've gotten, you know, done a lot of hunting and spent a lot of time in the fall hunting and in the spring turkey hunting. But the the late winter time, most hunters are just stir crazy because they want to be outdoors doing something. Hunting season's over and there's just not a lot to be doing. So they stay home and watch hunting shows and, and do all that stuff. Well, I, a few years ago, got into shed antler hunting. And for those of you that don't know what that is, the the in my case for white-tailed deer, but elk also do it as well as some other animals. But they lose their antlers every year and then grow back a new set. So along with the deer management and taking the pictures of the deer and following them all year long, one of the coolest things to me is being able to find a set of antlers on a deer that maybe you didn't get a chance to harvest because you never saw them during season or or maybe a deer that just, you know, wasn't quite big enough you passed them up but to to know a deer and go out and walk your woods and find that deer set of antlers is just something that's uh, it's it's a thrill to some once you get into it it's it's thrilling i mean you're walking through the woods and i'm sure hundreds of us have been out there in the woods this time of year and walked right by a deer antler and not even seen it it's right. one of those things that you you train your eyes for and you get kind of every year you get a little better at it because you know well, the deer were bedded here in the late winter. You know, they changed their bedding yeah. areas and stuff like that throughout the seasons. And once you kind of learn where to look and how to look, you know, you can become pretty successful at it. In the last three or four years, I've had a whole lot of fun. Um, actually, Tanner Pittman that hunts with us, uh, when you come up and hunt with us, Carrie, in the fall in Pennsylvania, he 
he joined me on uh, Shed Hunt this year in Illinois for a couple of days. And then we ended the week last week um, up in Ohio on our place up there for a couple of days with Seth and Wyatt and myself. So, you know, it's it's a, it's a cool thing. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I've been fairly successful at, at finding antlers. So, of course, that makes it more fun. Yeah, I thought the most interesting part was is watching the videos of Wyatt walking across the field and all the stuff he finds besides the shins. <laughs> yeah, we... Uh, you know, we've, over the last few years, tried to get the kids involved, and Carson and Kennedy and Kelly and Wyatt and all of us have been shed hunting. And just last week, while we were in Ohio, we we were we were fortunate. We were driving up into a big hay field, and I saw an antler. It was probably 200 yards away from us up in the field. So I told Seth at that point why it hadn't found any. And as all of you that have been around a five-year-old little boy know, yeah. it's, it's hard to keep their focus for a whole long time. So... We saw the antler and we thought, well, this is a great way to start the day off because if he finds an antler, he'll be, you know, pumped up and want right. to look for more the rest of the day. So I told Seth, I said, let's just split up here in the field, put Wyatt between us and kind of walk him to that antler. So both Seth and I, as we got closer to the antler, we both got our phones out recording Wyatt and we're probably 50 yards from him on each side. And, you know, I'm, I zoom in on the antler as he's getting closer to it, thinking any minute he's going to see it. And he walks right by it and stops. So at that point, I said, hey, Wyatt, look back towards me. And he looks back towards me, and he doesn't see the antler. And, I mean, it's laying there, you know, obviously yeah. I saw it from 200 yards away. It was obviously pretty easy to see. And uh, he looks around. I said, well, look real good in that area. That should be a good area. So he's looking around on the ground, and he says, here's some, well, dad, dad, dad. I'm like, oh, boy, here, finally. Saw it. He said, I said, what? I found some deer poop. I said, oh, boy. I said, well, buddy, I said, uh, if there's a deer that pooped there, there probably could be an antler around there somewhere close. And at this point, he was literally five feet from yeah. the antler. So he's looking around, and all of a sudden, finally, he he focused on it. He said, oh, I found one. I found one. So he was real excited about that. And that was, you know, I've showed that video to everybody in the last week just because it's so hilarious to see him do that. It is funny. Yeah. And that, that was a neat thing because it set the – we hunted for two days up there, probably about four hours one day and probably six hours the next. And he, uh, you know, that that gave him the the drive to now he wanted to find more because he he thought he could do it. So right. we had a lot of fun. And by the end of the day, the second day, he actually finally, I videoed several more of the, a few that I led him to. And then finally, the second day, I had found an antler, and he said, Dad, Dad, there's another one which I hadn't seen, and it was probably about 15 yards from us, and and there was another one laying there. So that was cool because he actually found one on his own. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, I, I've not been a lot of shed hunting. I did one time way back before all our trials and tribulations and happened, started up. So back when we was able to do some stuff around Dad's farm, uh, me and my wife took the two boys and our daughters out and started shed hunting some. And it's neat to watch the kids because, you know, like I said, you see them and all, and you kind of give little directions to which way the kids need to go <laughs> to try to get them to run over the top of it just to see it but it's fun to watch them when they do find a shed the excitement on their face and the joy they have in it so. yeah absolutely that's i i i liken it to a giant easter egg hunt and yeah. you know it's uh actually dale and amy uh i was texting with with amy i sent her some pictures of the antlers and she's was a part in decorating our cabin in ohio and i sent her a picture of a one of the dressers that she had picked out and had a bunch i had all the sheds laid out on it you know as decoration and you know she thought well that was real cool and of course i sent her the video of wyatt and she said that looks fun i said yeah i said and, and i know dale would enjoy it of course he's busy all the time right. i said boy if you if you and dale could get away for a day sometime and go up and do it i mean i said it's literally like a giant easter egg hunt for adults yes and it's uh 
there's really no better way to learn, you know, in, in, in my case, I'll, I'll spend, I'll go shedding hun- hunting in places, you know, back home in Pennsylvania, of course, I, I know where to look and, and I enjoy doing right. it because I want to find the antlers. But uh, in the instance of Illinois, I have a lease out there that I'll be hunting this fall and I wanted to learn the lease and, you know, learn the land, learn, mm-hmm. learn where the deer are traveling and what they're doing, why they're doing it. And, you know, that's, uh, that time of year is ideal because you can see, you still see the trails and you see the rubs and you see the scrapes on the ground. So you kind of can learn what they were doing back in November when you're going to be hunting them that following year. So, I mean, it's a super way to learn the property, super way to get exercise. We went to <laughs> Illinois, we shed hunted for two days straight. Um, we started at around, I don't know, seven, seven thirty in the morning, whenever it was good and late where you could see well. And we went till probably about six o'clock both days, five or six o'clock. And, uh, we covered 12. Tanner had a watch that could track his steps. And when you shed hunt, you're not walking fast. You're walking slow because you're really looking, 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 trying to, you know, look for a, an antler sticking up through the leaves or, you know, the beam of an antler laying down. I mean, they can be laying any which way. So you really got to look. And we covered 12 miles in two days looking for antlers, four men. There was four of us. Wow. And uh, and we ended up... Um, Chase, the guy that that we stay with out there, is a good friend of mine. He ended up splitting up from uh, another friend of ours, Jake. Uh, Jake and and Tanner and I were still out shed hunting, and Chase had gotten, he'd had his fill of not finding any. And he went to move a blind that we needed to move. He had a redneck blind that was on a trailer, and he wanted to go move it. And he texted us from over there a picture of an antler that he found. So lo and behold, we'd walked for two days into the second day he gave up and went to move a blind with one of the 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 four wheelers and (laughs) and finds an antler over there so we were all that's the only antler we found in the two days so that's pretty you know it it can uh it was a great trip for me because i got to learn the property and spend some time with some great friends on the same token it was a pretty unsuccessful shed hunt (laughs) yeah and and, you know also what's neat too is i seen a video that you just showed me of um i think you said kelly had dropped you off and you've been shed hunting a couple hours hadn't seen anything and yeah i'll let you tell a story yeah it's neat how you found both sides right yeah this was a pretty neat um situation i had a buck that in pennsylvania on our place up there and and i'd had pictures of it during the summer and he was really elusive i'd get pictures of him uh you know then maybe not see him again for 30 days he was not very patternable hunted him a little bit in the fall but really never could get on to him and in december he he started getting patternable i mean he was on the same trail every day for about six days in a row um up in through about the second week of december and then went away again i'm like well he's back to his old thing he disappeared again and i'm looking looking this was in january uh i think it was the first week of january when we went up there for our christmas trip and um it was odd he never showed back up so i got went back and looked at the camera again and the picture's a little closer and realized that he had he didn't go away he was still there but he'd actually lost his antlers uh the second week into december so I thought, man, you know, a buck to lose his antlers that early is, is pretty odd. It does happen. But, um, you know, I thought, boy, if I could ever find his antlers because he was a giant, giant eight point. And we were up there that week. There was no snow. And one one evening it snowed about, I don't know, maybe about an inch. And I told Kelly, I said, I think that I could probably find that deer's antlers um, with this snow. And she's, well, how's that? I said, well, if I go to the food plot that he was, you know, he was going to it regularly. Just about every day right. he was going into this food plot. I said, if I go to that food plot this morning and get on every set of deer tracks that was in there last night, you know, you can usually tell a buck tracks because they're by themselves right. and they're bigger. And, you know, if you got three deer together, typically it's a, you know, doe family. Um, <clears throat> so I said, I'm just going to get on every set of single deer tracks coming out of that food plot and track them back to their bedding area and see if I can figure out where he was bedding. 
and I did that for about an hour and a half, two hours. I walked all these deer tracks, and I hadn't found nothing. I'm like, I'm crazy out here thinking I'm going to find an antler. <laughs> first week of January, all the bucks still had their antlers except for that one. And uh, she texted me. She said, I'm going to leave the cabin. She said, are you ready? I said, yeah. She said, well, okay, I'm going to leave the cabin. I'll be picking you up in 15 minutes. And I said, okay. I said, well, give me a few more minutes and, you know, give me, wait for 10 minutes and then leave. So just as I, I was putting my phone back into my pocket, I looked down, and it wasn't 10 yards from me. I looked down and there laid one of his antlers. And I, of course, yeah. there was a little bit of snow on the ground because we were about an inch of snow from that snow the night before. And I looked a little harder and, and not five feet from it was the other antler. So I found I was standing five feet from, you know, 10 yards from his bed uh, whenever she had texted me. And, and I found both of his antlers and it ended up, um, he scored 156 inches for an eight point, oh, which wow. is a giant eight point, um, especially for Pennsylvania. So that was uh that was an awesome, that, that's probably my best success shed hunting story I've ever had as far as set out to find one set of antlers right. from one particular deer that I had tracked all year long and, uh, you know, found them. So that was really cool. We, yeah. we, we went then, like I said, I mean, that, that was January and then last week, um, we went the, to the, to Illinois and when we left Illinois, we were really bummed out because we hadn't found any. And so we thought, well, people were still seeing deer with antlers. I'm thinking, well, it must be just most of them still had their antlers. And uh, I had the trip already scheduled to go to Ohio this weekend, this past weekend. So I said, well, you know, I got other things I can do up there anyway. I might as well go. And we ended up finding 17 antlers in Ohio those two days, me and Seth and Wyatt. So, you know, one state didn't find right. any, go back to another state, and we hit the mother load. So, yeah, yeah you, I mean, you never know. I mean, and, and it's, you know, it's really, like I said, I mean, it's it, you got to be pretty hardcore into to, to deer hunting and the outdoors to want to go out there and, in February, March, in those states where it's still cold and nasty and tromp around the woods. But on the same token, anybody, you know, Kelly's mom, Brenda, she wants to go. I mean, anybody that, that likes to get outdoor activity right. and doesn't mind a little bit of nasty weather, it's just a super fun thing to do. Well, it's a good thing to do. You get a lot of family time, too, you know, the kids and everything. And, you know, it, it's funny because I, I got a camera set up here at the house in North Carolina. And just this week, I had a six-point. He's a pretty wide six-point. We've been seeing a lot of lot of them on camera well he still got his antlers you know i thought he'd be dropped by now but yeah he still got them my my dad he, he i talk to him about every day on the phone and he updates me probably not every day but about every other day he'll update me with, me with uh, oh yeah i saw we got a couple deer that we 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 know because we've been seeing them all winter and right. he's like oh i saw that drop tiny still got both horns or i saw that you know eight point and he still got both horns so i mean i think that uh it's amazing that you know we're we're sitting now, you know, almost the end of March, and a lot of the deer haven't dropped their antlers yet. A um, friend of mine has a place not far from here in North Carolina. He sent me a picture of an eight-point that he he got on, on film two days ago. So I don't know. I mean, I think that um, people say, well, sometimes they drop early and sometimes they drop late. And, and only being really hardcore into it, this is the fourth year I've shed hunt really hard. Uh, I don't know that I've I, – I, I was along the lines that they, they all actually drop at the same time every year. Uh, and this year, I think that I might be wrong on that because I mean, I really I'm seeing that they're yeah. they are it is late this it year is. for some reason. I don't, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, a dry fall will lead to their antlers staying long, right. or a wet fall. I mean, there's all different stories, yeah. but in the, the, the truth of the matter is, I really don't know what causes <laughs> that. But for, but I, what I do know is that they're still some of them are still carrying their antlers. Yeah, and uh, you know, Dad, he did a lot of shed antler hunting, and uh, there's a lot of things you can do with these things once you find them, but. I thought the neatest thing that Dad had was this old farm wagon. He had all his antlers piled in, and I mean they were stacked in there, pretty tight and pretty tall. I mean he had yeah. a lot. So 
it's pretty neat and you know he always talk about you know this, this buck he knows and seen quite a bit on on the farm and you know he ends up both sets you know both sides of the uh sheds and it's pretty cool to see that and a lot of people think why you shed hunt it's a pretty cool thing to do with the family but also you can use them for decorating oh yeah um Absolutely. at christmas time you know my wife and a couple of her friends uh, make wreaths and stuff and we use them in the wreaths uh use them you know as far as something on the kitchen table the dining room table just laying anywhere it's pretty cool yeah um tanner that that shed hunts with me a lot and, and hunts with us he's he's into furniture design so he's oh, he's yeah. into that sort of thing so he's always sending me different pictures of you know check out what they did with this shed or or one of the cool things we did last year tanner and i shed hunt in ohio and we found a, a pair off of a, a big 10 point that we'd been watching and uh, martin truex actually shot that deer this past winter yeah so tanner took one. those two sheds from that deer that martin got this year that we had from last year and he made a little plaque to go on a wall that has both of the antlers displaying both the shed antlers that that we can hang next to martin's deer oh, cool. so i mean you'll see the deer that martin got you know as the big 10 pointer and you can see the antlers from the year before that we found so he comes up with some cool ideas and in you know yeah like you said with with you know with renee decorating with wreaths yep. and things like that and kelly i mean she loves it i mean i i'll i'll say where'd all those sheds go because I'll, I'll keep their laying out in the garage <laughs> and she's oh i'd put them over here and the next thing i'll get looking around I'll say, oh yeah mm-hmm. and she got them on the mantle and she's got them on centerpieces <laughs> on a table i mean the women love them in they fact do. uh you know uh some of the ladies here at the office will come in and they'll like look at this this necklace i have and it'll be a piece of an antler yeah. or you know in the olden days we all thought of an antler as a a knife handle right um i you know that that's or like the pen. yeah the, the, the historic thing would be a, you know you also know, you know make a knife antler out of it or a pen like that but now i mean there's there's countless things that you'd use them for decoration and you know it's it's really when i find a set of antlers it's almost like the best of both worlds because you're you're finding a deer that you've really put a lot of effort into growing all year long and you yeah. know watching them and hunting them you find his antlers and the beauty of it is we can hunt that deer again next year right you know i mean we all love to to shoot a nice deer and and to harvest one of our deer and we take pictures with it and and it's you know super enjoyable but you know there's always this void that you feel like well you know man you hate that that's over you hate that you you harvested that animal and, and you won't be hunting him anymore and in this case you find his antlers so you've you've you succeeded you know he's still but around yeah, you're going to chase him again next year with that bow and arrow yeah. or the gun or whatever and and so it's a pretty cool thing i, I just uh I'm sure maybe at 20 years old, I wouldn't have been near as excited about it as I am at the, you know at this point in my life. But for for somebody that just loves to be outdoors, right. it gives me a cool thing to go do. Yep. So, Kerry, you mentioned finding antlers out there with your dad at his place on Highway 3. I know that you know he had some deer out there, had some fenced-in area, so he had some deer that he raised out there. Um, and I know that was a huge passion of his. When you found those antlers, I mean, was were they 200-inch deer? Or like, <laughs> how, how big were they? I know they were nicer than your typical North Carolina deer. Yeah, I don't think he had any 200 inches. I mean, he had some 180s out there. It was pretty nice. Um, There's one that was really nice. He was about 23 inches inside. Wow. He was huge. And <laughs> Yeah, it, it was a funny story with that. Is he took my oldest boy, Bobby, hunting in December of 2000, and we're sitting in this blind it's, he's got this one blind it's condo blind i mean it's nice you got the door like a house door you walk in balcony around it and everything and he'd always take women and kids there that's all he could hunt his farm so he took my son out there and we were sitting there and got up there about three o'clock in the evening and 
we get set up in the chairs and he said, all right, boys, just relax. It'll be a little bit. And we're sitting there and all of a sudden, just, you know, looking around and hear some snoring going on. And look around, dad's kicked back to sleep. <laughs> so Bobby's got my binoculars. He's looking around and this big buck comes out way down far into the field. And Bobby's looking in, in, you know, through binoculars at him and I get the scope up on the rifle and sitting there looking through my scope. And next thing I know, I get a big old whop in the back of the head, hit the scope on my eye, and busted my eye right there. And he said, you, know, you don't need to be shooting that deer. I said, man, I wasn't. I was just looking. I know you. He said, if you have the choice words, but I know you. You're about ready to shoot that buck. And it was that 23-inch wide buck. <laughs> and he, he got all upset. But Bobby ended up shooting a really nice uh, nine-point that Dad wanted to take off the farm. And it was cool to see the excitement he had you know with bobby taking his first deer and he being there with it and we got to daytona in february and dad's like jeffrey this is my youngest boy said jeffrey says does that bother you bobby shot a deer and you have it and he goes well no not really but i'd like to have one he says when we get home from daytona we're gonna go hunting i said it ain't even season dad the season's <laughs> out he says not on my farm it ain't <laughs> of course you know that that day didn't happen so but it was pretty cool but yeah he had some big bucks out there and it was I think he got the enjoyment, like I said, of seeing what he produced by feeding, you know, and, and managing the bucks he had and to find the sheds from them deer. And he, like I said, he had some stuff. He had a chandelier he had, someone had made using antlers he had found. So it was still pretty cool to see what he used them for as far as making the chandelier. He had, them, he had a set he had like bookends. On oh, the man yeah. on his fireplace was yeah. pretty cool. That would be cool. So it's, it's pretty neat what you could do with these stuff. And some people actually would buy nice set of antlers just for decoration. So. Oh yeah, I think that it's something that if you uh, if you get into it, I think that there's an endless. You know, people are always looking. There, yeah, there's I a mean, there's always. I'm sure you could get online and sell them. Yeah, I mean, all day long, just like everything or, else. Of course, I would. Um, you mentioned that the the wagon that he had with the antlers in it, and I don't know that I've ever seen a picture of that. Uh, if I ha- haven't, I'm clearly visualizing what you're saying—an old, an old flatbed yeah. horse-drawn wagon, full got- with antlers. And I mean, I'm I'm picturing that, thinking, man, you know, that's like the ultimate goal right there. That would be so cool. I mean, I can, I'd love to do something like that at our place. You know, get something that big. Now, obviously, four years into shed hunting, and and uh, you know, don't have enough to fill that. But we fill baskets or barrels and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I mean, now. You mentioned that that's like a super great goal for me yeah. to go and get, get an old wagon because I mean that that would be awful. And that's you know, what made it cool because cool. it was real rustic looking. Wood was all worn. It's got the short sides on it, you yep. know, and yep. it had the I can't remember which wheels it had on it, but it was like the old wagon wheels, and it was pretty cool to see sitting there on the farm full of antlers like that. Yeah, that's cool, and that's and, and that's like I've like, gotten some. I have gotten some antlers that he had found, and I've gotten a uh, elk that he had shot. I got antlers from that too oh, wow. now, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, that would be awesome. That's, uh, you know, you talk about that story with Bobby, and I'm sure that's something, you know, super, that's going to be ingrained in his mind for the rest of his life for sure. Yes. Just that experience to be able to go out and do that. And I know it's ingrained know. in mind just to see the, I mean, I think Dad was the biggest kid in that group. Cause he <laughs> was, had that camera, he was laying down on the ground, it was wet and stuff. He's laying on the ground taking pictures, you know, from the ground up and bossing everybody around telling them what to do and where they're staying and, you know, had this other person that was there with us to take pictures of all of me and him and the two boys <laughs> together and it's pretty neat and to have him pictures is pretty cool no absolutely i can't i can't imagine that that's got to be something pretty awesome and yeah. and it's that way you know all of us have super memories that that 
where our grandparents or our, or our parents or just mentors or friends or whoever got us into the outdoors, we all have really neat stories about marks they've made in our life and, and taking us on our first yep. hunt or teaching us how to use a turkey call or all the cool things. And, you know, that's something that I think as outdoorsmen, whether it's hunting or fishing or just spending out time outdoors, I mean, that's one of the, I think about this all the time and the the world that we live in today and how important it is to try to get kids into the outdoors, whether it be hunting, fishing, or just walking in the woods. Right. Um, and not only kids, I mean, heck, go to a go to an old folks home and pick up a senior citizen and take them out in the woods. I, I uh, you know, I think we talked about on one of the other shows, my, my shoulder surgery that I went through and I came back from uh, Illinois and Ohio shed hunting and, and went for one of my doctor's checkups and told him how great everything had been feeling and it had been loosened up. And after just four days back here in the office, it already had started hurting. And he said, you know, that fresh air is uh, fresh air and spending time outdoors is one of the best uh, cure-alls that there is. Yeah. So I think people, you know, grab a kid, grab a buddy, grab anybody and take them out in the woods and spend some time in the outdoors doing anything. Cause that's, it's, that's as good as it gets. It is. It gets away from the computer and the hustle and bustle of real life. So absolutely use your time to relax and enjoy each other yeah i don't know i'll have to i, I would say it, it doesn't get you away from the hustle and bustle well, real life. Your phone, it lets you experience you leave real, your phone away it, it lets it you experience real life is what it does <laughs> because that is real life when yes. you're out there well lw that's some pretty cool stories about shed hunting and i uh, can't wait to see some more pictures that you have coming up but on another note how about the news has come out lately with the u.s senate votes to repeal wildlife refuge hunting rule for alaska yeah, I uh, I saw some about that, you know, uh, read a few articles about that. Just, you know, it's happening now, a couple of days ago. Really interesting stuff. I don't know that we would even know about it if it wasn't back in the news, but apparently uh, President Obama had passed a, a law to stop hunting on the federal ground in Alaska, which uh, apparently that takes away the power of the state to make their own decisions on the, on who, how they hunt their land, who hunts their land, and, you know, how they manage that. Uh, I think the, you know, reading about it, you, I get very aggravating when I read about a, a story like that in the news because, you know, I, I pulled up several articles and, you know, when I Googled it, and of course, I read articles about Congress backs bill to lift Obama limits on Alaskan hunting, uh, Senate votes to overturn Obama's era. Then I read uh, the headlines of, of one I read here. It says Congress votes to kill protections for the wolf's bears of Alaska refuges. And, you know, another one where Senate trashes major Obama environmental regulation. And you you read the articles and obviously it's all the same article in every right. one of the news. You know, every one of them has pretty much the same article, but the headlines in it are just very aggravating to somebody that obviously supports what the right decisions are in, in the outdoor laws or any laws as far as that goes. And, and when they use the word kill or the word trash, and I mean, it's, 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 it's aggravating. Uh, ultimately, I'm I'm a proponent of the the state making the decisions and the laws for the lands that are in that state. I think that if uh, if even sometimes the states can narrow it down to zones or counties. I mean, we all know that you know every maybe uh, one county in North Carolina may have X many deer, and another county may have X, and some have turkeys and some don't. So ultimately, the smaller region that they can narrow it down to to create laws and, and, and make game laws or how they're going to hunt them or how many they're going to harvest for that area is ultimately the best way of of maintaining a good healthy herd of, of any kind of animal and 
in this case, what this is doing is putting the power back into the state to make their own decision in Alaska, which apparently prior to that, under Obama's bill, um, it was, you know, a federal decision. Well, you can't tell me that somebody in another state that might be 3,000 miles from there knows what's best of what's happening in that state. So, I mean, we really got to put our faith in the local state authorities that understand their own wildlife, what's happening with their wildlife, what animals need controlled, what others don't. Um, you know, it's it's ultimately up to their, they're, they're the best people to make that decision. Now, if it's not the right, right person in that job, then obviously it can go wrong, but we have to put it in, at least that, that stands its best chance. And on the same token, you know, any rule that threatens to, to fundamentally take away the relationship of the fish and wildlife management that, that's set over their state and turn that into the power of somebody far, far from there is not good for any state's situation. So overturning this helps with all the other states that are fighting their own battles of, of controlling their, their whatever they feel is right for their wildlife. I mean, you know, as well as I know, what, what the, the deer that you think need harvested on your property or turkeys or whatever you have... I'm going to have different goals on my right. property because they're not the same property. No, they're two different so, things. So, and... you know, unfortunately in this situation, the anti-hunters and the people that are against the stuff like this, they make it out like it's this terrible thing. Well, it's really not. It's it's what, you know, somebody making a decision of what needs to be done and how it needs to be done. Yeah, and like I said, you know, your local fish and wildlife most involved in it so they they know more about it than like the guys three states away that's making the decisions so. yeah i mean as a hunter we, we talk about oh we're going to go hunting somewhere new and who's the first person you reach out to exactly. the local Lo- the local game wardens the yep. fish and wildlife guys they know what's happening in their in their area exactly. so exactly. yeah so, I, i'm I mean, a proponent of them changing that back you know getting rid of that yeah i'm excited to see it in the news and see what's going on so nra's backing a lot and it's good to see that yeah, yep. Anytime something is, is going good, you know, in, in favor of putting it back in the sportsman's hands, obviously that's a good thing for us, and I see where that's uh, happening right now. Yep. I'm sorry. I just want to touch on that just to bring it to light. <laughs> just to get the well, the political know, blood flowing a little bit. A lot of people don't see this stuff, and <laughs> well, it's good to know. And, and that's, like I said, I mean, that's my views on it, and everybody has different views, and, 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 and everybody has that right. But, you know, obviously we all, you know, as an outdoorsman, I want to see what's best for the outdoors exactly. of, the, of the country. Well, Dub, I enjoyed sharing all these exciting stories we've had about shed hunting and, you know, some stories with our families and all, but um, I want to talk about our next show coming up. I'm pretty excited about this turkey hunt. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, like I talked about my exciting uh, excitement about shed hunting, but I think that for me that fills a little gap that all the outdoorsmen right now are just eager and hungry for turkey season coming up. I mean, we all get excited about spring turkey season, so I know you and I have experienced some some uh turkey hunting together and and both of us do a lot of it so i'm sure we'll have a lot of <laughs> yeah. fun things Funny to talk stories. about there yeah and uh maybe we have a couple hunts under us by the time we get this next recording so sounds yeah. like a plan I might, have, I might have one at least so have something to talk about absolutely all right i appreciate it and we want to again thank zalta for all they do for dirty mo radio be sure to go follow them on twitter facebook and instagram at Azalta racing yeah and we also want to thank everybody for listening to the Earnhardt outdoors If there is anything you want to hear us talk about, be sure to let us know via Twitter or Facebook at Earnhardt Outdoors. Well, I want to thank all you folks out there for listening, and uh, be sure to tune in to our next show. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo' Radio. Don't miss a single episode of the Dale Jr. Download with hosts Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Tyler Overstreet as they recap their weekend and tackle key issues in NASCAR. You can find the Dale Jr. Download on DaleJr.com and all major podcast outlets thanks to Exalta.